Welcome to Local SEO Today. On this podcast, John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover challenges and successes in business ownership. Our goal is to provide you with insights into the entrepreneurship journey and give you tips and advice from real experience. Brought to you by Local SEO Search based in Toronto, Canada. Thank you for listening and don't forget to share this episode and subscribe. Joining me today is global executive coach and development expert, Sheila Carmichael. She uses her background HR to help her clients become their best selves. Thanks for being on the show today, Sheila. Thank you for having me, John. Well, I always ask this question uh, just to start off, like how did you become who you are today and maybe share some of your uh, back story, your history in terms of career aspirations growing up and maybe um, the journey along the way. Yes. No. Well, we, we have just a short time, so I'll give you the Twitter version. How's that? <laughs> I, uh, my, my career really began in corporate environments. So working for various corporations. And it's interesting because it started off in their accounting and financial area. So it was a skill, but not necessarily a passion. And uh, somehow I transitioned over into the HR arena and from there, it just accelerated between uh, training and developing leaders to uh, organizational development, succession planning. And I really found my niche around talent management and continued to, to fuel my, my, my corporate career success from that. I noticed that while I was doing that in between different transitions, you know, sometimes you continue to work for companies for 30 years and sometimes you you shift and you adjust to support your success in your career. And I noticed during one of those transitions, there was a pivotal moment for um, the internal coach to start asking herself the questions she would always ask leaders, you know, what is it that you really want to do? What do you love? And what do you love doing? And it kept coming back to coaching and supporting other success, whether it was internally or externally. So during one of those transitions from one corporation to not knowing where I was going to go, I decided to put an anchor into how about being a coach? You know, how about really getting the training for that and really getting grounded? And what was so interesting, a company dangled a a really nice uh, offer and package and it, it, it involved doing something I love and I love doing supporting careers. So I went and worked with the international company. And then of course, during that transition had to revisit that question. Now, what are we going to do when we grow up and decided to re go back to that and, um, and, and just really get deeper into it. And during some life uh, experiences, uh, caregiving for parents and supporting them in their final stages of life, uh, another carrot came out. So things happen when you really do put out there, what do you want? What do you love? What are you excited about? What are you engaged in? And so I worked with another Fortune you know, 50 company and then decided, you know, maybe it's just time for me to go ahead and stick with my passion from helping a much broader perspective as a coach and really narrowing in around the executive levels. So that's that's kind of the in a nutshell, a little over than a Twitter 400 word count, uh, character count, but um, just really 
always knowing that I enjoy watching the light bulbs go off in others, that proverbial light bulb, that development of others and helping them to excel in what they want to accomplish. That's always been at my core. So how did I know I want to do this? I think was your question. It just was always there and making sure that whatever role, position, job, it supported that. It kept energizing me around that. And that's amazing to hear because, um, you know, I, I actually started my career in sales, which was always about serving others, listening, mm-hmm. creating a solution that provides um, value that people want to yes. buy, right? And HR is very similar because you're dealing with people's livelihood. And this is a career yes. and you're not just listening and asking and probing, but you're also trying to get the best out of people to match with the company that you're, you know, hired to really fill the roles for, right? So, and then on top of that evolution of ensuring that they grow and they develop to different skill sets and different positions along the way. So I, I really understand HR. I understand how important it is and vital for a lot of these larger organizations. How has it transitioned for you? Because you were always doing corporate, right? To then being now a solopreneur, entrepreneur, to to try to hit the, the, the same kind of people, but on a smaller scale, because you probably were doing it at such a large volume at so many mm-hmm. you know, deliverables and so many people and going through all the resumes and everything coming at you to now sourcing out your own leads and doing it yourself. Um, how was that transition for you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Uh, remember I said I had started this once and did kind of a soft launch and then was enticed by other things to go back to that corporate environment. And the things that I learned was, you know, a couple of things. You have a lot of resources and things internally, but you also were building relationships and connections while working in those corporate environments. So when I decided to, okay, let's officially hard launch this again, I just leaned on those relationships. And what's interesting is that people started asking me, well, we were just waiting for you to do this, you know, so that we can bring you in. Those relationships that I had built and supporting those leaders and executives with aligning their talent and the organizational needs and the business objectives with the right people doing the right roles, they took that as a value for them while I was in the same work environment. And then of course their careers took them in other places too. And so they remembered that and would reach out. So my lead funneling, I guess, as you would call it, is a little different than what some may think of. Those relationships that I built, um, showing up as true and authentic in those in those circumstances and situations and really challenging their thought process, they were reminded of that. So they started then reaching back out to me, knowing that I could now provide this for them as an external resource. So when you ask the question, you now, how do I go out there and seek those folks? Um, they actually seek me, That's amazing. which is awesome. <laughs> no, it's a great position to be at because you put in your time and then yes. you put your reputation on the line by showing up and doing what you're asked to do in a corporate environment. And then they remember, yes. right? And yes. that's the whole point of just being who you are. Like your task at that level as an HR, you know, VP or whoever it may be, to do what you're supposed to do. And people remember the people and the relationships yes. along the way. Um, 
And I, I love the fact that, you know, at the beginning it was a shop soft launch, then you got recruited to then do it a full launch, but then it's the everlasting of growing, but being independent now, how has that transition changed your trajectory in, in terms of entrepreneurship, business ownership? And then of course you were so used to corporate to then having yeah. no stability to then kind of start your own kind of adventure and journey? Yeah, no, it's, it's another fabulous question, John. You know, when you think about it, um, I, I, I really didn't understand fully the resources I had when I was inside the corporate structure. You know, when you're, when you're in the throes of that, you always think you don't have enough, you don't have enough budget, you don't have enough this and that, you know, all of that. And then when you come out of it, there's a discovery of, wow, I had a ton of resources. <laughs> and so that is a transition. Whereas you could easily, you know, when you think about pre-pandemic times, go to a coffee bar or, or a water cooler or just knock on an office door and, and say, hey, can I run some ideas by you? You have to do that differently when you're running your own shop. You have to be more intentional and more strategic about that so that it's not coming across kind of like a salesy thing. You're still trying to build and sustain the relationships. So that's something that you really do, you know, when you think about doing differently, the shift and the transition, the mindset of where to go to get the things you need to support what you're trying to accomplish. It's more collaborative, I believe, in a corporate environment because you're all anchoring around the corporate vision and mission and principles and values and everybody's on board with that. And when you decide to do this entrepreneurial step, it's really, uh, it can be, it can feel like a solopreneurial step. So strategically laying out where are those resources and how do you continue to sustain those to support what you need as well as supporting what others are trying to do too. And it's the lifestyle choice too, right? So yes. I, I look at like where you're at in your journey in life. There's career aspirations, there's corporate, and then there's going to be jumping around, right? To discover yourself, to then be a point yes. where you're at to then try something new that always was your passion, right? How long has yeah. it been since you left that corporate world? And how excited are you today to, to have made that jump or not? You know, it's, it's, there are days in which I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and there are moments where I'm like, whew, did I, did I really make the right decision on this. And I think that what keeps me grounded, I mean, you have those days when you're working inside a corporate work environment too, right? You're going to have days that you love and you're going to have days that are a little frustrating and, and can be somewhat annoying. What keeps me grounded, both whether it was internal and external, you know, you made a point around um, comment around, you know, working in corporate and then working in your, in your own world. I like to look at it a little different, John. I know who I am and I am someone who I enjoy helping people to think differently about how they're looking at things, whether it's their leadership, their teams, their organizational structure, whatever it might be. And so it's that tethering to knowing what I bring in my value to what you're trying to accomplish. So that really wasn't that much of a difference whether I'm doing it in-house or whether I'm doing externally from a different you know, angle, it's still the same 
thing. The things that have really changed about that is the access to it. You have it more readily when you're inside the organization and you decide, hey, can you have a minute to chat or schedule things quite easily because you're all on the same system. But when you're external to that, it just takes a little bit more effort. But if you remember your purpose and your reasoning, your why and your passion, then for me, it wasn't really that much of a strange shift as much as it was just being more intentional and deliberate, strategic about how to still apply the same talents that I was doing internally that I now do externally. I hope that 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 helps with. Yeah, and I wanted to ask, like, um, how has the passion changed and evolved from when you wanted to leave corporate to then living it currently? Because there's yeah. always that. You know, everyone thinks it's always easier than you think, yeah. right? Um, and then when you're actually doing it, you're, it's lonely, it's challenging, you're spending more hours than ever, and you, you start thinking and doubting yourself, and you're kind of wondering, well, I had a stable employee job with benefits and yeah. pension and uh, you know, whatever it is, and I had social circle, right? And I had access and I had all this stuff that is the comfort level. To then do it yourself, it's a big risk for a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners. So how did you feel when that happened? And how do you think differently today than when you left? No, it's a great question. The first time I did it, I, I, it was a lot of lessons learned with it. I, I will be quite transparent and honest. I did not thoroughly think through a lot of different things to what you just talked about, the social aspect, the financial aspect, the, the resource aspect, all those different things. The second time, because of the learning on the first, the second time was like, okay, before I make this decision, let's put these checkers now in place. What do you need from a social perspective? And how will you get that differently than what you had when you were internally? What do you need to ensure financially because to your point, you get really comfortable when that, that paycheck is hitting your account every two weeks or, you know, however the, the, the cadence of that is. And so how are you prepared for those highs and lows of the financial flow into your bank account, right? And then as far as your resources, how do you go about that differently? So, you know, do all companies jump out the gate the first time, those entrepreneurs the first time? very successful and hit the ground running, there may be some, I, I'm sure there are. They probably checked their markers and made sure holistically the finances were in place for this to, to cover you know, those highs and lows. The relationships are sustainable to support and encourage and fuel your, your passion, the, the resources and, and the access to those things. What are you doing? So when you strategically, you know, a business plan may be more about the financials, but you really do have to consider those other aspects and components as an entrepreneur because you don't you don't realize that until you step on them and you say, oh, wait a minute, this month wasn't so good financially. So where's the buffer to cover that? You know, this month wasn't as strong with the business development. So what's the plan to recover from that? You you really are using that same corporate mindset. You're just taking that and now working it for yourself more independently. Yeah, and I, I love you explaining that in detail because as an entrepreneur business owner, you're skilled at one aspect, one component of the realm of 
10 yes. other pillars that's required. Like I, I was always a sales rep when I first started this agency. And now I'm in charge of operations, HR, accounting, um, as well as everything from fulfillment, the, the service, leadership, management, training, you name it. And there's so much involved that's overwhelming, especially if you, you don't have that it factor for all of it, right? So therefore you need to hire people that are skilled, that are in alignment with your values and everything else. And that's a skill set that's not talked about as well, especially if you want to grow and scale and, you know, be a little bit bigger. But again, it all depends yes. on where you want to be and in, in your organization, entrepreneurial journey, right? And, you know, where do you see yourself and where do you want to be in like five, 10 years? No, it's another great question. It's a question I ask myself daily <laughs> because things may shift and change and it's no different than a corporation saying okay what's our what's our strategic plan for this year or for the next three years so you're you're adopting that same type of philosophy in your own business as far as currently you know where I'm at in my stage personally as well as professionally um, it is it's like a re-ramp and it's a restart and it's an evolving of that and so as far as the scalability of that, I'm literally in a process of some strategic planning with some partners to help with, okay, what are some things we can do around scaling? And to your point, you don't have those resources. So what's not your wheelhouse, or as a, as a coworker of mine used to say, that's my jam, right? So what's not your jam and your wheelhouse, then that's an indicator you probably need to outsource it. You need to know enough about it so that you can monitor it and make sure that your vision is being communicated clearly for others to meet that expectation so that this way you can play to what's in your wheelhouse and your jam and the areas that really do support your passion. I, I love individuals like yourself who are natural sales folks because that's not my jam. <laughs> That's not my wheelhouse. So I know to leverage those individuals to help support me in those areas of business development, because that's not something that that really um, gets me too excited. It's almost heavy thinking about it, but it feels lighter when I know that I can identify the folks who will support the vision to help generate that business development side of the other business. So where do I see myself? The second part of your question, you know, today it's Sheila kind of solo with a lot of different resources that I contract in for specialties. Tomorrow, in the future, I think that there will still be an opportunity for that, maybe at a broader perspective. I think the, the workplace itself as a whole is shifting and changing. It, we may see even more. There's been research and reports and books written about how the, the workforce is changing more heavily in contractual work than from a, you know, uh, a full-time employee experience. So I'm hoping that that will continue to grow as my business grows. Who knows? I'm, it may be that there's a whole organization for that. Is that a desire? Not, not particularly. I think there's some stresses and strains that can come along with that. I, I want to still stay grounded and attached to some of that at the, at the ground level. That was one of the things I really enjoyed when I was in corporate that I could play strategically and still get some of the realities of what's going on at a, at a couple of levels lower. So I don't think I want to be, I know I don't want to be like the CEO of a fortune 100 company. It's a lot of pressure. That's not Sheila's personal desire, 
but I do want to help others continue to help me and help them with their passions of growing, whether it's with my business or as a client, as a mouthful, I'm sure. <laughs> well, personal branding is important, right? And it'll get you to, to an extent um, where, you know, if, if you want to grow in terms of size or, you know, growth in terms of revenue, you need to take some additional actions, right? And right. I guess it'll come with time because ultimately it's mm -hmm. your personal success and goals and aspirations. Um, so if you don't mind, like I, I was getting curious, like, did you have this coaching mentality or was there other coaches that transpired you to become one yourself? Like, why did you always want to be a coach as opposed to, um, you know, starting a, a business or doing another mm -hmm. venture altogether? <clears throat> Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's another, you know, it's one of those questions that makes you think about what, who you actually are, you know, and, and why are you going and stepping into this particular area? What's drawing and pulling you into it? And so when I think about the roles that I've played over my career, you're right. I could have chose talent management consultant. I could have chose organizational development consultant. I could have chose, you know, training and development consulting. I could have chose any one of those things that I had played in. But the reason for honing in on the coaching then slash consultant or then slash an author or whatever it might be is because of what it did for me and the alignment to who I was in my core. So even while consulting around you know, succession planning and management, even while consulting around the process of the employee life cycle and talent management or consulting around training and development and facilitating programs, what was always at the core was the area of a partnering with folks to help with exploring options and possibilities and to help really maximize the talents that they bring, which is the essence of coaching. So even if I'm working with an executive or, or CEO and trying to figure out what's really going on here and how do we resolve this, I'm always anchored back to that point you mentioned a lot, curiosity to help with them formulating it versus me having to come up with it. So that was always the core and that's what kept pulling me in. And I said, well, well, why would I do these other things if at the core, what really was fueling my success was my natural abilities as a coach. That's mm -hmm. where I need to step into. That's what I need to identify with. Gotcha. And, and then I was going to uh, ask you, is there a specific niche industry or uh, segment in terms of the executives that you focus in uh, on? Because, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 150, it's a very broad uh, scope of verticals, industries, and marketplaces, right? So, is there a segment that you specialize in and um, how did you come about figuring that out? Yeah, no, it's another great question. My segment is not like a, a product or business that, you know, that says, hey, we know this is the consumer profile. This is the persona of our targeted audience that we're going after because of the product. My targeted audience isn't based on their uh, size of the organization. It isn't based on if it's for-profit, non-profit, or mutual holding company. It is based on the actual tier of the individual. So those areas doesn't matter. But if it's at the tier, you figure if tier one is the CEO, 
So the first and second tier being that C-suite. And then you come down to the next third and fourth tier, which those are uh, lines of business leaders, right? Executives over those, those areas. When you think about uh, first line leaders, that's not who I'm targeting. However, that doesn't mean if someone says, hey, Sheila, I need this help. If it's because they're aspiring, they're a middle manager and they're aspiring to those ranks. So those are already established in executive ranks and wanting to really elevate their game, elevate their presence, elevate their influence, right? Or those who are saying, God, I really want to get up there. I, I so want to be the next executive that people are looking to me to have a broader stretch of influence. Then that's my particular niche. Those are the individuals who I'm looking at. Maybe you were newly appointed and you're like, I thought this was one thing and now I'm discovering it's something else. <laughs> something else is going on here. That's the area that I'm looking at. That first tier down to about the fourth tier. And all organizations are structured a little differently. So it may be first to four slash fifth tier of the organization where you're really trying to enhance and improve and accelerate your game as a key influencer of your organization to drive results. Those are the individuals I'm looking at. That's my niche. And then, uh, thank you for that. And I wanted to also ask you like, how has it worked out for you in terms of um, not just the pivot, but then the, the freedom of choice, freedom of time, freedom of lifestyle. How has that transition been versus a corporate lifestyle? Because I used to work in corporate before I started this agency. Yeah. And now I'm trying to create a culture that embodies an essence of entrepreneurship plus corporate uh, to the extent of my values, right? So I would love to hear yeah. your kind of, you know, ideas upon that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, John, you're right. So when you're in corporate, right, you know what your PTO days are, you know, all these little things that you say, oh, there are restrictions on my freedom and autonomy and what I can do and what I can't do. And you've got your performance objectives laid out for the year, and you know, you're supposed to hit these targets and everything. I say all of that because it's a structure to help you operate within that culture, to your point, right? And when you're an entrepreneur or solopreneur or running your own agency, so to speak, you now get to define that. And there are pros and cons to that. You may have some flexibility. You have all the flexibility in your decision-making authority now, right? But now the checkers of are these the right decisions and are they lining up? You're really having to think through that a little bit more as far as bouncing them against. So there, you know, it may look greener on the entrepreneurial side of the, of the field, but there are challenges with it as well. Just like the corporate area has its challenges. So it's really, you know, when you think about the organization in a corporate environment is, is being guided by that top senior leadership vision missions, stakeholders, shareholders, all those individuals that are investing in that vision. When you think about what's your vision and what you hope for, who are your key stakeholders and, and members and your own identified board members to help you stay true and accountable to what your vision and mission and purpose is. So you definitely need to define that. You definitely need to get some uh, clear understanding of that 
so that you are staying true to what you're trying to accomplish in your business. No so, different than corporate. You're oh, just yeah. doing it differently. So I just have a couple questions uh, remaining, Sheila, um, regarding some of the pillars in life, right? As, as you mentioned, you had to take some time off and care for your parents. Um, you also made that pivot. Um, how important is some of the other pillars in your life, like family, community, impact, legacy, all this other stuff that people always talk about, right? But really, as an entrepreneur, yeah. it's different. Because until you live it and you breathe it and you're in it, you cannot explain yeah. how it is. And it's like parenthood. Like if you have children, mm -hmm. you cannot explain to a single person how parenthood is when you don't sleep at night, you get kicked in the middle of the night and all these other things that you have to deal with. So would you be able to explain, um, share with us some of that? Yeah, you know, John, those pillars you mentioned are spot on. You know, many times we only think of the, the, the top ones, right? The financials, the family, but there's, there's other elements that we're learning more and more that are even equally important. You know, your self-care. It's one thing, health, and it's, you know, are you physically fit? But the self-care, not only physically, but mentally, the compassion for self, all these different things, to ensure that they're in line and balance, so to speak. There's not one area of any pillar that you're defining your success as. So when you mentioned success earlier too, I wanna just weave back to that, you know, success is defined by how you define it and not letting others interpretation of their success be yours and staying true to that. So for someone who has a family and their children are young, well, their pillar for family is going to look quite different than for someone like myself who doesn't have children. And what does that family mean to me? And what is what's driving me around legacy for someone with children to someone who doesn't? For me, it's around my niece. That's my legacy that I'm looking at, right? And it's for the community. And it's not to say those things don't apply for someone else. It's just how they're positioned and how you're defining that particular pillar, because that's how your the success is being defined. You're defining that. And then what's also interesting, John, is that as you continue, I have this running statement that folks find humorous. You know, as you get to different floors of life, right? When you're in your 20s, those pillars look different than when you're in your 30s you know, on the third floor and then on the fourth floor and the fifth floor and so on. And each step on that floor, something happens internally with you and your values are probably the same. They just make it weighted and prioritized a little differently. And so always revisiting that because the way you're thinking today on the floor that you're at and the step within that floor it's probably going to be a little different and it's dictating how you're defining each of those pillars that are important for you. It's totally uh, understandable. I love, I love how you defined that and broke it down because I look at when I was in my early teens to twenties to thirties, forties, and I spent a lot of time with 50, 60, 70, 80 year olds as well to get really good insight, wisdom, and their perspective on life, not just in business success, but in life success, health, yes. legacy, 
you know, whatever wealth is all about, what about success? And I'm always trying to understand that's where the curiosity comes from, right? And I am mm-hmm. always trying to figure out like, what makes you, you? How do you differentiate yes. yourself? And it's all individualized and personalized. So I get it. And no one should be trying to mimic exactly what you do because they don't go through no. and don't have an idea of what you've gone through. And yes, and that's the whole purpose of life, right? Make it personalize it to your own interest. And people are always chasing and following and, you know, aspiring to be that person on social media or Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, just live your own with intent, you know, have clarity on what you want and aim for it, right? And grow. And yes, you're going to fail a lot of times. It's what you do when you do fail and overcome it, right? And as an entrepreneur, you experienced it in your first time around to now have better awareness, more strategy behind it with more intent and purpose to make it not fail again, right? Because you know what it felt like and now you're going to make men's on ensuring it doesn't fail the second time. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I, I can't help my coach hat is on. So it's, it's, a, it's a question that comes to mind when you say, you know, there are, there are times where you're looking and comparing because you see others doing these things and you go, wow, I want to be able to do that. Or I want to be the next, you know, um, uh, you know, CEO of like an Apple or Microsoft or whatever it might be, right? Because they're doing so good. Tim's doing so good. These people are doing so good. Or maybe it's uh, Sir Richard Branson, you know, whatever, whoever it is that you're, you're, you're admiring. I won't say idolizing or mimicking, but there's something about what they're doing that's resonating internally for you. So Coach Sheila is asking you to think about if you didn't have any of those things, those are just reference points. What will you define for you? What will you define as your key purpose and, and point of life? What does that mean for you when you look at all those areas and aspects of your success? And how do you show up demonstrating that because that's what people will remember you can't be anyone else and like to your point your journey your experiences your your successes the hiccups the the excitements the joys the letdowns everything defines you so distinctively so uniquely that no one else has that to offer so it would be better to put the aspiration and goal and purpose on that clear definition because that's what's going to feel your success you will not <laughs> be able to sustain mimicking somebody else that that'll that'll get you going in the beginning but it won't last it definitely won't last it'll get frustrated by it but when you know that you are living your true voice and your true purpose your true motives your intentions so when things are coming up against it and and you're thinking, no, that uh, should I or shouldn't I having all these self doubts, if you anchor back to who you truly want to be for you, then all those decisions are really made much easily. They're made more confidently, right? And it doesn't matter. It, it just really doesn't matter because you're staying true to you. And that's a great point, Sheila. I love it. Um, you know, be intentional, be mindful and have clarity on like your purpose, your life and be in control of it. And if there's growth along the way, if there's 
hiccups, then make changes, pivot or, you know, create change and make it a habit, right? Like there's things that you can improve yes. on. And there's so many doubts and people are always, yeah, I read a lot of biographies and I pick one or two bullets out of it to make some changes in my life to see if it adapts to my it, you know, my, my vision and my goals. Right. But it might not stick. So, and it's okay because I'm always adapting and pivoting and changing and trying and, you know, and that's how life is, right? Like life is so short. People think it's, you know, 80, 90 years, but it's going to fly by. So you're going to make the most out of it. And if you don't take action, yeah. like going with a coach or going, fulfilling your dream, lifelong dream, like you're going to live with regret. Right. And it's like the same thing when you, you know, maybe you are married or not. If you wanted to get married and you didn't pull the frog, that's a big doubt and regret you're going to have. Right. These are things that you're going to live with for the rest of your life. So might as well live it with purpose and intent. So I love that. Sheila. Yes. Yes. I, I, you know, you're reminding me of life is just this huge experimental journey we're going through when you think about it. And the more that we give ourselves permission to experiment and have fun, and even along the way, if we have a discovery of, ooh, note to self, probably shouldn't do that again. That's where the growth comes in, right? And the discomfort from that, like, why did that feel? And, and really asking yourself those hard questions, you know, why is that, that word or that phrase or that style of that particular leader that you're admiring, why is that resonating for you? You know, why is that resonating on your vibe? Why is it speaking specifically to you? And when you ask yourself those questions, like what about that that's pulling on me, that helps you then with definitions for defining a new experiment to test. And then after that test, you can go, wow, that was really great. I need to keep that going. Or giving yourself permission to go, that test didn't work out so good. So I need to let that go and let it go. Don't like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> why did I do that and dwell over it? But it was a learning experiment. It helped you, it formed you, and it kept feeding into the things that are really, truly, you know, resonating and vibing with what you're trying to really do. And I know that I read this all the time. It's like living as present as possible, living intentful and making sure that you live for the moment. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the future. Live for the moment. Be present. And a lot of people get distracted. They get overwhelmed. There's too many emails, too many social posts, too many people calling, too many meetings. You got to show up and be intentful and prepared. And the more you're intentional, and this is something that I started doing maybe three years ago. I put the most important thing in my calendar right off the bat, which is family. All my family obligations with my child, my wife, with meetings and family obligations. Then comes, you know, some of the work stuff, but monthly workshops with the team. That is the second most important thing. My people within the team, then the clients, right? People forget the people that bought you where you are are people you should really spend more time with and reward right with your time and therefore you know if people do different things i get it but for me it's like my family comes first and then of course my friends are there too um but 
it's just ma- organizing your life to what's important and making alignment, right? With if it's work right now, you don't have a huge family or you're not there yet, then put work at the top of it, right? Of that calendar and that pillar. But under- acknowledge where you're at in your lifespan to then figure out what's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's something I would call like your own personal assessment that you're doing, your own personal life assessment. Because where you spend your time and attention, your space and your energy, people will pick up on that probably quicker than you even realize that you're doing it yourself. And so when you're intentional about doing that, you know, um, Stephen Covey, senior, once upon a time, seven habits of highly effective people, right? It's still here today. And there's a section in there way back when we used to do that programming in person, a three-day thing. There was a section that was called putting first things first, and it's morphed into other titles today, but he said exactly what you just talked about. These big rocks that are important for you, place those first weekly. And then the space that's left over, those are the fillers. Those are the things that if they, if they don't get to, it's okay. But remember, you've got your big rocks that are important for you first. Make sure you stay committed to those. Those are the things that are going to keep you energized and keep you focused and aligned to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I always remember this, which is, you know, people are always chasing for more wealth, more money, more, you know, status, yeah. whatever salary. But I, I talked to a lot of people in their seventies and eighties and it's all about wisdom, right? right? It's all about the relationships and the experiences that people really connect with. And if you spend more time living presently and not chasing and doing things that you think you should be doing and focusing on what really matters, which is slowing down, spending real time with real people and having real conversations, you know, going and doing things that you're never going to experience and have a, a good experience, like let restaurant trips, whatever it may be, you have choice and access, right? Do things. And therefore you're not going to live with, without regret. Right. And that's what, I love dealing with the elderly as well as the younger people just so that I have a good perspective in life. And it's been uh, fortunate for me. And I'm very lucky to the sense that I have access to a lot of people, right? That don't have access to people that I respect, um, have Mm -hmm. followed their footsteps and kind of admire and be able to host a podcast, which a lot of people don't even you know, understand how to do it or don't have the courage to start it, right? I have the ability to mm-hmm. at least connect and have a great conversation with yourself, Sheila, you know, without living yeah. with regret. So it's great. Yes, I love that. You know, again, depending on where you are in life, what floor and what step, the things that are going on in your in your space, um, you know, it's it, it will, you de- then decide, let me say that you have that, conscious choice capability to decide if that's what you really want to do. And so as, as you progress on higher floors, you look back on the previous floors and you kind of go, no, I did that for a reason with no regret. And sometimes ah, I did that. I had my reason and I regret that I, I did that. But when you get to, you know, the final stages of your life journey, what is it that you want? That's that legacy. What is it that you want people to have known you for? And how are you staying consistent for that? So I think when, when I hear you say, 
those who are at a more senior stage in life, right? They've looked back over the years, and I saw this with my own parents, and they had key principles that they, they just, they were firm about, and they instilled those into my brother and I, and they, they never wavered on it because that was what they wanted as their legacy, right? So I, I would offer to anyone listening to this podcast, you know, we're all going to be at different stages in our life journey, career, personally, professionally. What is it that you want when it comes to that point or the final stages of your professional and personal journey that you want people to be able to speak of, to know of, to feel of? When they say Sheila Carmichael, or when they say, you know, John Wong, I don't know if I'm saying it accurately, but whatever it is that you want them, what is it that you want folks to know that you have left? What impression of you and how that happens? I, I, a mentor way back in my, in my early stages of my career said to me when I was this road warrior for training and development, and I was like, I gotta get all these done and like nonstop. That was the big rock for me. How many classes can I get done to support what we were trying to do and get as many and exceed those expectations and those goals, Why, all of that. And she said to me, I never saw on anyone's tombstone that I wish I had stayed longer at work. I've never seen this written on anyone's tombstone. So God forbid if something should happen to you and you're on that flight and you're running all over the world with this, is that what you want people to remember you by? That you were the road warrior? <laughs> that was such a pivotal moment for me. That was like that, huh? No, that's not what I want people to remember me by. And so I, I just pay that forward. Our mentors, the people in our village, our family, our friends, our clients, our partnerships, all of them are there strategically and intentionally to give you the things that you need to help you to stay anchored to who you really are. What is it that you need to listen to, to keep you grounded to that? What are your actions that you need to put forward to help support that? It's a coach thing, it's what I do. I, I, I want people to really get grounded on what they want for themselves so that they're not conforming or mimicking and, you know, coach shifting and all these crazy things, because is that the, is that the memory you want for folks? I don't think it is. I mean, if it is okay, but I really believe that it's not, I think it's something bigger. I think it's something more powerful. Well, thanks a lot, Sheila. This has been really, really fun. Um, great conversation. Uh, hopefully the listeners got a lot out of this. Um, how can some of the listeners get in touch with you? I know it's going to be in show notes, but if you don't mind sharing uh, maybe your website, email, or any yes. of your... Yes, absolutely. My website is Transitions D to D, and that's plural transitions, the letter D, number two, and D.com. The reason for that is because I think we all have to go through some discoveries before we can make some decisions around that. So that's what the D to D is. So it's transitionsd2d.com. And you can contact me via email, Sheila at transitionsd2d.com, or even just hello at sheilacarmichael.com. They both will get you to me one way or another. I'm also on LinkedIn, Sheila Carmichael. I show up just like I look today. <laughs> so it'll be easy to find me. I would love to hear and have a chat with anyone that's at that point where they're going, you know, I kind of, 
I need those questions to help me kind of think differently the way I'm currently thinking and get regrounded to who I'm, I'm truly trying to be. So I would welcome that. Amazing. Well, thanks a lot. It's going to be on the show notes. Um, and it was a pleasure to an honor to have you on this uh, episode. And thank you again, Sheila. Oh, the pleasure was truly John all mine. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to, to speak to many and to personally connect with you. So enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Please subscribe to Local SEO Today and tune in to our next episode.